Good to be here. Uh, I uh, do a lot of traveling, so I don't often get to make it back here. And uh, this morning, I'm really, really going to give more of a testimony than I think a message, uh, what God has done. But before I do that, um, I know the Johnsons are here. Would everyone that works with Envision please stand up? I know I'm missing somebody. Yeah. They come to the 930 uh, service, so, yeah. And I, uh, I also want to point out, I have one of, uh, one of the greatest blessings in my life is I have a daughter that loves what I do and what we do, and she loves to pour her life into middle school refugee kids, but she'll travel with me and hear the same message over and over again and still come every opportunity. And so I want my daughter, Cherry, to stand. Um, yeah. And if you have a baby, she will gladly hold it every chance she gets. So, um, I just wanted to uh, kind of share a little bit. Uh, you know, um, so often uh, we get caught up in stuff, and I feel like uh, this, the sermon I have is not a break from Revelation. I feel like it's a continuation. And if you all remember... Fred preached last week, and he talked about the songs. Remember that? And uh, it was so cool. I felt like we got a chance to go to the throne room and hear him sung. And I'd like to continue. My favorite song is found in Revelation uh, chapter 5, verses 10 and 9. And it says, And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the throne and to open its seal, because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe yes. and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests, and they will reign on the earth. Amen? And that's what we're doing in Envision. I mean, God has looked down and saw some of these unreached people group, and he manipulates history, and they wound up 10 minutes from here. And, uh, and I, I'm excited because I believe that we are going to take this gospel to every tribe and every tongue and every nation. I believe he will. One day we'll stand and sing this song with those people. And I believe a lot of them will be from Clarkston. And I believe you all are part of that through prayer and through giving you guys are always stepping in. When I have an issue, my first phone call is often Stephen. And you guys have stepped up. I don't know if you knew. We, you know, we worked in uh, uh, rent relief. And uh, this church raised $11,000. Um, and we just broke bringing, uh, saving 53 families from eviction. And you guys are a big part of that. All that said, I get stressed. No matter what all God has done, and no matter how big he is, I get stressed. And I let it take my peace. And there was one night in particular, I just couldn't sleep. And I started thinking about all the issues in, in ministry and, and all my 
issues with my family and, and, and I made up a few issues because that's what I like to do. Uh, and and I, I, I couldn't sleep. Yeah. And finally at 4 o'clock, I finally talked to God because I, I knew I was wrong. And I hate it when I tell him because he always like points it out. And so I just wanted to have a stress fest. And, um, and so I, I, talked, uh, I talked to God, and God clearly said, I told you to read my word when you get stressed. And so he sent me to uh, Exodus 14. And we're going to read verses 10 to 14. And um, Exodus 14, verses 10 to 14. And, and, and to give you a little background, you know, the, the Israelites had been taken into captivity, Right? And they were slaves. And uh, they were beating them. Even at one time, they, ki they killed all the, 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 the boys. I mean, they were killing people. Uh, and the people of Israel climb, cry out and go, save us, Lord. And so what does he do? He sends them Moses. And Moses had a speech impediment, but he sent him to speak for God to the Pharaoh. And he screamed and said, let my people go. And Pharaoh said... No. So they would, he'd send a plague. You remember, you know, the blood and water and the frogs and all that, the boils. And every time there, one would come up, he'd be like, yeah, yeah, go, go ahead and go. And then they'd pack their bags and Pharaoh would say, no. And so finally, there was the final uh, plague and it was the death of the firstborn. And they say that there was mourning across of Egypt. And this time, they didn't say they could go. They begged them to go. And they gave them gold and silver and gave them stuff and said, get out of here, just go. We don't want this against us anymore. Please, just go. And so the people of Israel go out rejoicing. Thank you, Moses. And everything's going good, right? And in fact, there's the cloud uh, that goes before them and the pillar of fire and, 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 it, and they, it leads them right up to the Red Sea. And when they get to the Red Sea, they look back and they see Pharaoh coming. Yeah. And they th say to themselves, oh, we don't need to worry about this. God's here with us. I mean, it's the cloud, right? The very manifest presence of God is there. I mean, surely why would they be afraid of the stupid Egypt, Egyptian army? Who cares if they're the biggest world power at that time? God is there, right? Yeah. No. They look at it and go, oh, oh, we're going to die. The Egyptians are going to kill us. And, and in fact, uh, in verse uh, 10 to 12, it says, and as for Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. And they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. They see the opposition, they see adversity, and the first thing they do is insult God. Yeah. Right? But don't we do that? How do we react when the pain is so deep? 
How do we act when the problem seems so big? How do we react when the needs seem impossible? If I'm honest, I react like the Israelites. I mean, isn't that why I wasn't sleeping? And, and as I read this passage, it's funny because it's so easy to condemn somebody else and then say, well, I had a reason, you know. But I looked at them and go, what was wrong with these Egyptians? I mean, look at verses 19 and 20. It said, then the angel of God, who was traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went around them, and the pillar of clouds also moved from in front of them to stand between them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. And throughout, throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other, so neither could go near each other all night long. So, are you kidding me? I mean... <laughs> God stands between you and your enemy and you're like, oh, we're going to die in the desert. Yeah. Right? I mean, literally, you're like, do you have any common sense? The almighty God that said a few words and the whole universe came into place and they all they saw was Pharaoh's army and they did not see God. Do you see God when you face adversity? Do you see his hand in the worst situations? You know, our, our first thought is God abandoned us. And that's literally what the Israelites were saying, that as the manifest presence of God came between them and their enemy. Right? Is that crazy? But we do it right. And what we need to start doing is looking for God in our troubles. We need to look for God in our pain. We need to look for God in our need because God is there. Right? Quit looking at the army and start looking at the cloud. I mean, he's already led us out of slavery. We were in sin. And look what he did. It's not like he hasn't done anything in the past. And we stand up here. And then came the verses that literally when I read them, I shut off my iPad and fell right to sleep. Yeah. And it says... And Moses answered the people and said, Do not be afraid. Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. Amen? Amen. And the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. <laughs> That's pretty cool, right? And then, this is what I love. The Lord will fight from behind you, right? The Lord... Is that what it says? Yeah. No, the Lord will encourage you to fight. Is that what it says? Right? The Lord will cheer you on as you fight. Is that what it says? What does it say? 
Now, y'all, I'm from Africa, so you have to talk back to me. What does it say? The Lord will fight for you. Amen. The Lord will fight for you. He won't fight from behind you. He won't empower you. He will fight for you. The almighty God that sent a few words in the whole universe came into being. The God that conquered sin and death so that we can live forever will fight for you. Sorry, I get a little excited. I did a wedding last night in North Carolina and drove, went to bed about one, and this is the third time I'm preaching today. But I kind of like it when I'm weak because he kind of gives you the strength. So anyways, I'm a little fired up. But anyways, the Lord will fight for you. Amen? Well, we have seen God fight for us in Envision Atlanta. And I want to share with you some of those testimonies. There's about 22,000 people unofficially that live in Clarkston. 1,600 of them can vote. And the ones that can vote, most of them are not refugees, and most of them do not like the church, and do not like Christianity, and do not like missions. In fact, the last election, the people that ran ran on a platform that their goal was to get all the missions out of Clarkston and to get all the churches, uh, they didn't even want services to happen. Well, there's this little thing called the Constitution uh, that kind of speaks against that, but they ran on it, and guess what? They won. And so we had started some after-school programs, and uh, I guess for me, um, the thing about these programs is we had set up some of these... um, sensory rooms and we were doing this trauma training for children that were literally struggle processing um, stimulus or education because of this trauma and uh, I mean it was what was going to change it well they shut us all down but when they shut us down it automatically goes to the planning committee for the city and the planning committee said this is stupid And so early January, they called us and said, we're taking a proposal to the city council that that everyone be allowed to do an after-school program at every apartment complex. For every 100 apartments, you're allowed one. And I'm like, like, well, that's great. And they said, but we don't think they'll they'll pass it. They said, but would you come and speak? Now, I don't think screaming at somebody that as opposed to you, ever really wins them over. And so I'm like, I'm not sure this is going to accomplish anything. But I went, and I got there, and it was, uh, there were literally hundreds of people there, and um, they were all angry. And, and, and in fact, the city councilmen started asking people when they spoke, are you a Christian? And when they said they were a Christian, they literally attacked them. By the way, guys, the Bible tells us it's going to happen. So you better just get ready. And so they talked, and uh, they would attack them. And the guy in front of me, I watched him. I really confused them because my Muslim friends asked me to sit with them, so they didn't know who I was. But um, they, uh, this guy in front of me, every time he said, 
the church, Christianity, or missions. He literally would go like, like this. He was so angry with so much hate. And I started praying. I said, God, please help this somehow to get knocked off so I don't have to speak because this is just a waste of time. Then I heard those dreaded words. Will Pete Brocka please come to the podium? I'm like, oh. And I'm like, I almost prefer to go out back and take care of it that way than have to talk and have all these people talk, you know. And I was like, oh, what a waste of time. So I just said, God, I got nothing. I got nothing. And I, I, I'll never forget this. And God's never done this before for me. I, I adjusted the mic because it was, there were shorter people. And, uh, and I remember adjusting the mic and the thought went through my head, did the air condition just come on? Because I felt a breeze blow through there. And uh, I found out later from some of my staff that they, they felt the same thing. In fact, one of them said, the smell of the room changed. And I uneloquently, unpassionately began to share. And I got done. Expected to get the insults and everything. And the room went quiet. Because no one could stand against me. Right. The Lord had fought for us. And finally, the mayor stands up and says, does anyone want to talk against getting free education for our needy children? He said, I don't think so. And he sat down, let's vote. And then one of the people who had been against us raises his hand and goes, well, I have a problem with this proposal. I'm like, here we go. He goes, you said it was one after-school program for every 100 apartments, right? And he says, that's, that's no good. It should be one after school for every 30 apartments. Oh, and they said, done. <laughs> the city council, that city council, now they were young, but that city council voted 100% for the first time. Praise God. Amen. God will fight for you. COVID came, and we had bought, God had told me that we needed to buy this building, and you guys were a part of it, and it was kind of against our philosophy, because we were trying to do everything in the apartments. I didn't know what God was doing, but okay, and um, I, I literally stood out on the sidewalk and did a Facebook Live, and uh, churches jumped on board, and in three months, we raised $417,000. I don't know 80% of the people that gave. So we buy this building. We start to try to do plans. It's not working. It's being held up. That's the other thing. When God fights for you, he often doesn't fight the way you think he's going to fight. I mean, I'm sure those Israelites, when they stood there and heard God was going to fight for them, I'm sure he thought that they'd just wipe through and kill all the Egyptians in their chariots, right? Or, like, all these boats would come floating down the river and people would have fallen out and they could have gone across. No one thought that he was going to split the sea and that they were going to walk through on dry land, right? 
God fights. He doesn't always fight the way we think he is, but he is fighting for us. And so, uh, anyways, I couldn't figure out what's going on, and then they shut schools down. And within 24 hours, much of our staff started getting phone calls from kids saying, listen, we, we don't eat at home. We get fed at school, and now we have no way of being fed. Can you, one kid was just begging for a, can you bring me a piece of bread? And so my staff jumped in, and we took what little money we had, and we started making little bag lunches. The next thing we're doing, 160 bag lunches, and then realized that really wasn't real sustainable. And so we started making these family boxes and delivering once a week, and um, found out that there was 12 other organizations that also needed help. And so we said, we don't know how we're going to do it. Just come on over, give us your name, and we'll give you a box. So... uh, About that time, the Atlanta Food Bank heard and said, well, we're going to start sending you food, but you need air conditioning and you need uh, uh, commercial fridges. Oh, yeah, no problem. So I went on Facebook Live, Facebook Market, and found I ended up buying two um, uh, fridges, commercial fridges. They're 8,000. If I was new and they were the real brand, they would have been $8,000. I got them for $12.50. Then the next day, we got a grant from Comma Services for guess how much? $2,500. Amen? We thought we needed air conditioning. So we called uh, some, some, a member here. He called some people. They brought in and put these air conditions in. And I knew they were at least going to cost $18,000. I've learned that you just got to trust. So I was like, yeah, go ahead and put them in. And I'm thinking, I wonder where the money's going to come from this time. At the end, we went up and asked for the bill, and they said, oh, there's no bill. It's all covered. We did some math, and it was an estimating, and we bought food and that, that was donated. We even had a Hindu group deliver 1,500 pounds of food. Uh, um, and churches that we didn't even know. I don't know how they even found out. They showed up with hundreds of pounds. We've bought food. We've gotten money a lot from this church. Individuals have given money over the year. We did some math, and we're, we might be a little bit off, but we're looking at just under 300,000 pounds of food. Amen. That was beyond what we could do. But when God fights for us, the armies of Egypt are little. Amen? When I first came here, I've shared parts of this with you. We started asking about the people groups that were in Clarkston, and the largest group is... Uh, are, are Somali, and specifically the Somali that are in Clarkston um, are uh, a group called the Gari. And the Gari, since 1400 AD, there has not been a single one that has not been Muslim. I mean, forget Christianity, there's one that's never, never, but not been Muslim. And so I was like, okay, I felt like the God stinging my heart for them. I'm like, how are we going to do this? And uh, so we had, I ran into a professor at Tacoma Falls that had been part of a think tank and found out that the ones who had been successful delivered camel's milk. 
Yeah, milk from a camel, in case the people would say, what? And uh, so I was like, well, if I want to reach these people. I can't have a box. So let's start a camel dairy, right? Does that make sense to y'all? So um, I did research, and it's a long story. I just want to go to the end. I, I got so many miracles along the way. I felt I just kept walking through doors as the Lord opened them. And we came down and said, we finally, we need a farm. And so we saw a farm that we really liked. At one point, it had been sold for, or it was going to sell for close to a million dollars. But with COVID and everything, they were willing to give it to us for 450. Wow. Now, that's only 450,000 more than... I have. <laughs> and poor Law, she's our real estate agent. She has, you have to dye your hair because I know I've made it gray. And, uh, um, but uh, we, uh, we decided, I, I tried to go around and see donors. And to be honest, people were pretty noncommittal. Oh, we might do this, we might not do this, or they would change it. And so finally, um, one of the big donors said, go and get a commitment for the price because I don't want to come up with a bunch of money and then find out you don't have enough. And I was told I'm not allowed to take out a loan. And so I have to, I have to come up with cash. So I called Law and Law, I said, Law, go talk, see if the seller will write a paper saying that they'll sell for 450. They came back and said, no, we won't, but give us a contract and we'll sign it. So I had Law write up a, a contract and then she sent it to me and the farmer that God had called here to, to milk camels, and we went over it. And um, this is going to surprise you all, but I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, and um, especially when it comes to technology. And so, like, uh, Law had set up this nice little thing that if I agreed with it, it would automatically sign my initials. So I'm like, oh, I agree with this, I agree with this, I agree with this. I went all the way through it, and I agree with everything, I'll sign it. And I, I told him, well, now let's send it back to law and let her hold on to it until um, we figure out for sure that people are going to give. So I sent law a text saying, just hold on to this. And she texts back and says, by the way, um, you didn't just send that back to me. You sent it to the seller, and he's already signed it. She said, um, you have 30 days to raise $450,000. That was the night I didn't sleep. <laughs> I'd be happy with 450, $450, not 450,000. But God will fight for you. Now what ended up happening was we found out that Gwinnett County considers camels exotic animals and we would have to go through a whole nother leasing problem. So it actually allowed us to get out of that contract for basically free. But meanwhile, I had to call the donors and say, okay, I got this contract, I got 30 days. And they went into action and churches went into action. Even your pastors went into action. And so money started coming in. So when that didn't work out, another farm became available and we actually could go in and offer cash. It wasn't quite the 450, but it was a lot. Well, we got that one in too late. Somebody, they had already sold it. And so then we looked at another one and before we could even go visit it, 
it sold. And finally, the fourth farm we find and we walk on in this farm is perfect. And it was a lot less than 450, which gave us actually cash to fix it up the way we wanted. And so um, that was a Sunday. They opened it Sunday morning. We saw it Monday. By Monday night, 15 different people had come and seen it. We sent in a contract Monday night or Tuesday night, forget. But by Tuesday night, there were eight contracts sent in. We did not hear back in Wednesday night. And now Thursday, I'm actually leaving to go speak at churches to say thank you and kind of say, God fought for us. We got to farm. Okay? And I went as far as preaching from the farm in a video to send to churches. And I literally said, look, God fought for us. Well, come to find out, Law finally got hold of them, and they're like, well, we've already, we've already given the farm to someone else. Now, Law's not that tall, but don't, don't mess with her. She's tough. She got on the phone with the lady, and all I know is within a couple hours, I had a signed contract from the seller. Amen? That's not the end of the story. So we had done due diligence. We had had written confirmation. Yes, you're allowed to have camels. Yes, you're allowed to have livestock. So we decided to be really, really safe. Let's go ahead and get the business license. Once we have that, there's no going back. So they did the business license. And they wrote back, and this is no joke, I got done preaching this message and sending it off to a church of 6,000 to say thank you. And we got a, a phone call saying, we said you could have camels, but you can only have two camels for, for three acres. Meaning we can only have 16 adult animals. It's hard to have a sustainable farm with only 16 animals. We could have goats, but we couldn't milk them. So guess what? We had to break the contract on the perfect farm. And we had cash to pay for it. And you know what? I became an Israelite. And I looked at the Red Sea, and I looked at Egypt's army, and I was angry with God. He's already brought me that far. I had seen the miracles. But I stood that day and said, God, what are you doing? And then, to make me even madder, I go home, and I walk in the door, and my son comes up to me and says, hey, Dad. Do you remember when we were starting Envision Atlanta and we kept having those blocks and uh, things blocking us and you, when you, in the middle of your sermon, would have everybody pray about it? Why aren't you praying anymore? Homeboy about God. <laughs> so guess what? This is the end of my sermon. I want to ask you where you're sitting, 
with the people you came from. If you're sitting alone, please put on a mask, and I'm going to ask you to pray. If we believe God is still going to fight for us, and if we believe he is powerful, then let's do it right now. So we're going to take two minutes, and whoever you came with, I want you to pray that God will give us the perfect farm, that it will be completely paid for, and that we are able to reach the gari through it. Amen? And then afterwards, we're going to sing a song. And when we sing the song, I'm convinced some of you guys are up against the Red Sea. And maybe you're more spiritual than me, which wouldn't be too big of a surprise. But if you are, I need you to bring your Egyptian shoulders and lay them here at the altar so that God can fight for you. He said, I will fight for you. You only need to be still. I'm a soldier. I fought in the U.S. Army. I, li- I used to pick fights. Telling me to be still? That's tough. But when I fight, I get in God's way of fighting. So I don't know where you are. But I'm going to ask you to leave the Egyptian army here at the altar. So will you pray right now and continue to pray until one day maybe we'll have this service on that farm. Pray.